points around the world or is getting ready to send people around the world, and we get to be uh, gathered together as a body before that happens. That's exciting, isn't that? Uh, What a privilege that we have as a body to be gathered up and to um, be encouraged by those who are going out and those who um, are raising up disciples. So welcome to uh, the HBF Vision Conference tonight. We're so excited to um, have our last night with um, two great speakers and to hear from um, some of some of our, our dearly beloved uh, brothers and sisters. And so um, we want to welcome everyone online, those who um, are here tonight and um, just so excited for what God is going to do as he puts an exclamation point on this week. And we have a treat for, for you tonight with the speakers as um, we get um, energized. This morning, my daily reading, I was, I was reading in Judges, Judges chapter 7. And so if you remember that, that's Gideon, okay? In verse number 7, God says, I'm going to take the army and I'm going to dwindle it down to just a few. And who, who were the ones that he chose? It was the ones who got on their knees and they lapped up the water, right? Is it, was it because they looked like a dog lapping up water? No, it's because they were ready. They were the ones who were ready to go into battle. And God says, I want those who are going to be ready to do what I want them to do. Another way to put it, be thou diligent, right? And so that's what we need to do is we need to be diligent to say, God, I'm ready. Use me. And so as we cap off this week, let's be ready for what God would have each and every one of us to do wherever he has planted us to do whatever he has for us. Or another way to put it, be all in, surrender. You've heard the theme all throughout this week. We're going to hear from a, a dear brother. Um, so Andrew Ong, uh, dear brother, is going to come share as he gets ready, in just a few months, in just a few months, he's going to be going out. We have the privilege of being one of the last uh, few conferences that get to hear him before he goes out with um, his, his wife, Rachel, and for what they're going to be doing. So let's hear, as we hear from a man who is diligent to be ready and um, is ready to be used of the Lord. So thank you, brother. Thank you. Man. Man, good to see everyone tonight. Uh, Pastor, thank you for inviting me again. I was I was here in the Vision Conference last year. I had a great time. So sorry I couldn't be uh, in this conference the whole time. I just came back from Colorado last night. But so thankful I could be part of the finishing piece uh, with you all tonight. Uh, wow, you know, just... Just, just thinking about being diligent and everything, you know, it wasn't, I want to share a quick testimony because I, I see some new faces here, maybe they don't know me, so I just want to introduce myself a little bit. Grew up in a dysfunctional family, uh, father was there, but absentee father, so really didn't know how to be a man, and so, uh, you know, I tell people I'm an expert in lying, cheating, and manipulating, and stealing, all of that. Growing up, just part of the coping mechanism, growing up in a rough environment, you just learn how to do that. And uh, 1998, 
came to a campus ministry and, uh, and, and, and started going to church. Uh, you know, my mom has been praying for me. Mom was the first one who got saved in our family. You know, moms, thank you, right? All the moms. Moms are prayer warriors, aren't they? I mean, that's why things move, you know, because of prayer. And, uh, thank God for moms. And so, 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 uh, you know, went to, went to this, uh, church. The preacher was a guest preacher, preached, like, directly to me. Have you, have, has it ever happened to anyone like that? Why, why you, how do you know that? How do you know that? What's going on here? And, uh, and I was that guy who just know how to put on a mask. Right? Just, you know, never let you know my problems. I'm all jolly and good. But really inside, there's a lot of hurt that I don't want to deal with. I just kind of camp it. But he, he spoke to me. And I knew I needed to get up. And, and just a bit of context, I was made an assistant Bible study leader uh, at that time. Can you imagine? Not safe because I knew how to look the part, walk the part, talk the part. They made me an assistant Bible study leader. And uh, goodness gracious, the, the blind leading the blind. But uh, he spoke. He spoke to me, and uh, I, I, I was like, "Oh man, my 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 butt was glued to the chair." I, you know, have you ever happened like the altar call comes and you can't come up because you're like, "Well, he's looking at me," uh, you know, peers and everything, and I couldn't get up. And the song was slowly kind of closing. You know, "Come as you are," and I'm like, "Oh, I need to go," you know. But and then it stopped. And I'm like, oh man, you know, just just my my heart drop. I'm like, what a loser, right? I I couldn't even go up. And then and then every every Sunday without fail, when uh, when we finished that service, they would have all the college students go downstairs in the basement. They feed us, and then they take us back to the campus. Right? Great ministry concept, right? Feed college students. You know what I'm talking about. We all like free food. And uh, so, but this time was so different because. One of the worship directors, by the grace of God, led by the Spirit, I believe, with all my heart, say, hey, you know, guys, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, normally we don't do this, we, we normally just have food, but, uh, man, I just feel so compelled, can I have one more song in the basement? By the way, it never, ever happened, and I just believe that God says, hey, one more, one more, one more, right, for this guy, like, he missed the boat, but one more call, and, and here, here he goes, like, okay, he brought up the guitar and sing one song, and for the, you know, so at that time I knew that the door was open and uh, convicted, same conviction again. I, and as sincere as I could, I just looked up. I say, God, you know, if you're real, please reveal yourself to me. And he did. And for the first time in my life, the, the gravity of my sin, I, I knew it. You know what I'm talking about? I like, like normally I would say, oh man, I, yeah, I sin. I, you know, but I'm not as bad as Joe. Right? I mean, come on. And, and every time, you know, it was just not repentance, but you know, when you get caught, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I'll do it again. Right? And so that was me, and God showed me the wickedness that is in me that I've never seen before. The gravity of my sin. I'm like, wow, I'm wicked. I'm without hope. And, uh, and then a very still small voice, you know, in tears. I, I was in tears, like, oh man, what a, I have no hope. Who can change me? I'm just so wicked. And the Lord says, hey, that's why I came. And, and then all the dots start connecting. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's why he died on the cross. I mean, as simple as that sound, 
the eyes had to be open. Does that make sense? Right? I couldn't see the need for Jesus until that day. And, uh, and then, and, and I wish I could say that everything was, was rosy and rainbows and everything, but it, but not yet. I knew, now, I have to say, the monkey got off my back in, in other words, like, I felt light and everything, but it wasn't until 2001 that I, I came to Kansas City Baptist Temple uh, that I, I that I heard powerful preaching. You know, preaching of power and authority. You have that here in Heartland, and then discipleship, and and that completely transformed my life through that philosophy of discipleship that you guys know. And and, and just to give a bit of context, when I, when I was there, I was still young in the faith, and I don't remember. I say. Hey, I, I want the top guy to disciple me. Has that ever happened in Asia? Have you, has that ever happened? So that, just, just to let you know where I was. I, I want that guy. You know, he's impressive. You know, and, 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 and then pair me up with this guy from Mexico. I'm like, what? What's going on here? Don't they know I'm a big deal? I mean, I'm a 4.0 graduate and what, what not? You know, does he even speak English? You know, and, uh, and uh, that was where I was, right? Immature, just so much to learn, just still a baby Christian. The Lord is so merciful. Man, he, he paired me up with the, the perfect person that is mature. No time to talk about like all of that, but just he paired me up perfectly. Someone who is the polar opposite of me. Humble, generous, giving, honest. I mean, son of a missionary. I mean, just everything. I had a thousand questions, and, and so, long story short, man, I, my life started to take root in the scripture, and I was, I can't look back, now knowing what the scriptures say, man, I get on fire, I uh, follow the pro- path of growth, D1, D2, and Shepherd's School of Ministry got sent to London, England, 2005, spent five years there as an assistant, and man, uh, had a great experience, came back to Kansas City. Uh, and then started an international student ministry and did that for 10 years. And a lot of people got saved and discipled uh, by the grace of God. And, and some of those were Vietnamese uh, students. And that, that was the connection to, to Vietnam. And so there you go, the map, Vietnam. Uh, wasn't even planning on Vietnam, to be honest. It was uh, Pastor Chris, our missions pastor, couldn't go. He double booked himself. And I was a last-minute.com replacement, but not in God's eye. God's like planned it, and and since 2017, God started to move uh, in my heart. Man, come back and and I start crying for these people that I don't even really know, you know. And God just give me a love for them, and I keep praying, and God keep answering uh, prayers, and I just followed the fruit. But 99 million, uh, the city that we're going to is in in Saigon, also called Ho Chi Minh, about 10 to 15 million, uh, you know, less than 1% are safe and the communist country, so, uh, you know, not as much freedom. Uh, but, but, but I would t- say this, if you go, I would highly recommend that you go. Very friendly people. It's not like what you see on TV, you know, like not normally when people say Vietnam, you think of napalm, uh, helicopters, and, you know, you know, it's long past that time. They don't even remember it. Super friendly, man, they, they love Americans. If you can speak English, right, they want to come and talk to you. That's the carrot in Vietnam. So good. And, and, and so 
so yeah, 2017, 2018, I mean, 19, 20, and then COVID happened. And then last year, I went to Vietnam again. And uh, so many providential stories that we don't have enough time uh, to, to walk you through. But I, I want to give you, uh, yeah, next slide, please. Uh, just uh, some faces that you see. I know you guys have been praying for us. Thank you so much uh, for doing that. And I want to just put some faces to some stories so you can even visualize even better as you pray. But the, the guy in the middle, Nam, is my key man, if you, if you will, in Vietnam. Uh, this is that one in a thousand I, I, I tell people, faithful men, who can find, right? There are more rejections than their acceptance. But this guy uh, led him uh, to the Lord uh, through, through our evangelism ministry in a park. And ever since then, for the last four, four and a half years, faithful never had to chase him. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you have to chase people to, to, to help them to, le- to learn and whatnot. Never had to chase them. Always come ready, hungry to learn the Word of God. Ready to observe, ready to ask questions, and ready to follow the model, right? And that's the key, modeling. Discipleship is about modeling. It's not about a set of instruction. Hey, you finished the book, you're a disciple. No, right? It doesn't happen like that. It's a lot of modeling that they see the virtue that's in me, that this is the real deal, right? That you, you make whatever you preach, right? That you do. That's how I got disciple was I cannot believe that this is real. Someone is living this real life. How could they have power to live that kind of virtuous life? Because I can't, right? I can't. I, I, I just know how to lie. I just know how to manipulate to get my way. That's what I can do. I don't know how to be honest and righteous and all those things that you see in the Bible, but it was possible because he's living it. And I'm like, wow, I'm evil. There's good. And so the same thing with these guys. And so I'm so proud to let you know that God is doing an amazing work in this man's life. Uh, He has not just finished D1. Man, he is a key man. Finished D1, miraculously got English I said that God is still in the business of giving the, the gift of tongues because, uh, right, no, 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 I'm not, no, no, uh, right, no, no. Uh, but but, but six, the first six months, we had to use a translator and then drop the translator in six months. And now he's helping with translating the, the, the Bible, uh, the King James, into the Vietnamese Bible. Isn't that amazing what God does? I mean, and so, so he's done D1, D, D2, and then uh, he's in LFBI right now, which is our in-house seminary, very similar to Shepherd School of Ministry. Faithfully doing that. It's so difficult, by the way, to do it remotely where you, you're not in a, in a, uh, in a classroom set, setting, but still getting the grade, still getting it done, still helping lead the Sunday service, still helping me uh, in the Bible study, still faithfully evangelizing, still making a lot of sacrifice in his life while his family is persecuting him. And by the way, his, his family has, again, no time, but, but pimps and killers and all, all that kind of background. And, and yet, out of that came this diamond that God says, hey, you know what? I'm going to make the diamond from the rough. Watch me, right? Watch me. And so we grew, we grew. I mean, again, this is crazy because I'm not even there yet. And we're multiplying because that model has been modeled and so Nam and Yumi were the first disciples through the ministry, international student ministry in Kansas City, and then, and then through evangelism. And I pushed really hard 
uh, for evangelism with that, that new ministry especially because that's what Jesus did. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of man. We got to keep evangelizing, right? So, man, pushing. So, every Sunday after service, they go evangelize. Every Sunday without fail. And, and, and it's, it's amazing, you know? And, and I love it because uh, they get a lot of rejections. And I say, man, that's awesome. You know, we should learn that. We should have thick skin. We should be okay with rejection because our Lord was rejected more times than He was accepted. Right? And that's, evangelism is not about us. It's about the message. And so we got to risk our relationships, right? Because it's, it's worth it. The gospel is worth it because the Bible says we should not be ashamed of the gospel. Right? And so I, I'm just so thankful because how do you do that other than the Lord's doing it, right? I'm just being a cheerleader. Man, let's go, let's go, let's go. And they're doing it by the grace of God. And so three discipleship relationship uh, happening uh, right now. So Nam and I are, are discipling Tuyen. So he's, he's, he's my apprentice discipling Tuyen. And then Yumi is discipling Christine, number two. Uh, and then uh, the third one is Fong uh, discipling a, a girl from the top left called Yung. And this is a, another amazing story uh, right there. Just another faithful woman. Uh, I mentioned it to some of the pastors uh, today. Uh, he, she lived 12 hours uh, north of Saigon, uh, started to believe in Jesus. The parents uh, locked her up in her, in her house, chained her motorbike. And she ran away from home. And providentially, because my, my, one of our members know her, connected her with us, came to our online Bible study and just fully convicted that she should be part of us. And, and I, again, this is another one in 10,000, I would say. Super faithful, absorbing, reading, coming, no chasing required. And just, uh, just already investing in another person. And so, 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 so recently, uh, another one, Nam, let the, the, the top, uh, the bottom right son, uh, to, to Christ, uh, through our invitation ministry. So every, uh, other Wednesday, we have an English club, and that's the, that's our net fishing, if you know, net fishing and fly fishing. Uh, so came, uh, through that invitation ministry, came to the English Club on Wednesday, and then came to a Friday night Bible study. I got to share the gospel with him, and after that 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 time, he told Nam, "I want to get saved, but can I ask one favor? Can you also share the the, the message, the gospel, to my friend?" And he did, and he also got saved. And then and then and then Son also has a girlfriend. Okay, and so that's a hard thing. Right, because the the next thing you normally do is like, brother, if you if you are, um, you know, a believer, you, you know, you don't want to be unequally yoked. And so I had to do that before. You you, you remember Mankit, who is one of my key men here. We had to tell him, bro, you know, please, you know, this is the the cost of discipleship. You got to break up with her and let us minister to her. We didn't have to do it this time because she came and she got saved. The next week, again, by the grace of God, like, I, I didn't even have to have that hard conversation, uh, with her. So I'm just so thankful. I'm just, you know, I feel like I, I get a front seat, right? Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of labor, uh, involved in, in teaching, preaching, encouraging, counseling. 
but I get a front seat to see what God is doing. And so that's, that's super exciting. Next slide. Uh, the, you know, the unity of, of the body is so key. You know, breaking bread is so key. It can't be Zoom ministry. So they're doing that, having a good time. Next uh, slide. They are actively evangelizing, meeting with people, getting rejected, and, and just learn how to improve their craft, right? Because that's how you, that's how you be a better fisherman. Right? Is you go back and you try another bait, cast a bit differently, learn from someone else, make mistakes and do it again, right? You know, have you ever been stumped? I hate get, getting stumped. I, I don't know about you. Uh, so I'm gonna go back and study it out. So I'm not gonna get stumped on that again. So I'm gonna study the word. So it's good for them to, to do that. Uh, next slide, we got, uh, a, a team, uh, from our church going there with me as well. Uh, two of them already got full-time jobs uh, going to Saigon. The rest uh, are still uh, waiting to get jobs. Uh, Man Kid, um, this week may know whether he'll get a remote job working for a company in the U.S. If you can pray for that, man, that will be a big blessing uh, because he only have to work from 7 in the morning to 11 in the morning. And so then he can really be used and we can go out and, 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 and do ministry. Uh, but the last... Preparation here, you know, I've been doing a lot of Bible study training in Discovery Bible Study Method. I just, I just love it. Uh, just, just, just training more Bible studies because, uh, more Bible study leaders because Vietnam, you can't congregate like that. And very likely, we're going to have a lot of Bible studies. And so I want everyone to have the same DNA, right? Just, just teaching people how to read their Bibles. I'm just saying most people, they don't know how to read the Bible, right? And, and I was one of them. That's why I was bored with it because I didn't know how to read the Bible. And the Bible was boring. It wasn't exciting until I found out, oh my goodness, it has answers to our life. I mean, I know as simple as, it, it blew my mind. I can find, so I don't, I can find biblical answers. It, it's as if I can go back to a time machine, know an answer, and then do it perfectly. Right? And, and, and not have to pay the price of penalty of life. Like, ah, uh, you know, uh, I, I have to learn it the hard way. The hard way is no good. By the way, I have wasted years of my life doing things the hard way. When I could have done the easy way. Right? And, and that's what, man, the Bible is there for. And then one more slide. Um, and so this is, we, we, we have two dots here. And, and so the Lord providentially uh, help us to uh, to connect with someone that has a building that we could kind of get refuge in, and so that's important because again, my 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 like one of my big prayer requests: uh, pray that we don't get kicked out in year one. You know, uh, so so you know, I I say you know just like kind of the Jedi, you know, you can't see me, you can't see me, all right. And so that's the, the real prayer because there is a lot of activity that they do monitor, but we're praying that God will protect us and help us to make a larger deposit, right? Because discipleship, as you know, is a slow process. It's not a, it's not a fast food uh, Bible study, right? It's a slow process, and we pray that we can get that modeling more and that, man, it would just have that economy, so scale, it will spread. Uh, last slide here is just some prayer requests. Uh, I have some cards 
there at the table, and I love to talk to everyone after service. But thank you so much for your ears. Uh, man, just remember that God can use anybody. God is attracted to weakness. God is attracted to foolish people like me, right? That's why I gave that testimony. So don't think that you are not relevant, that you're not important. You are. And God can use this church, small town, and use you to, to change the whole world. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you much for your time. Yeah. My name is Luke. Uh, I'm the youth leader here at, uh, at Heartland. And if I can have all my youth prayer team, uh, ONG prayer team people, head on up. That includes adults. Nicholas, I'm looking at you. I made a mistake of telling them that I was going to do this a couple days ago. And so I was not sure how many of them would show up, but most of them are here. So uh, it was actually... Tomorrow will be one year ago. Uh, it was the last night of the conference last year, and uh, we had a, a just a, a time at the end of service where you know uh, Brian was up here and he was he was really encouraging. It was a, it, you know it was an altar call of sorts, but uh, not so much for salvation, but for just things God had been putting on people's heart for during the conference. And you know what would God have you to do? What's the next step? Answer the call. That was the theme. And and so uh, so my wife and I actually came up because we were going to take a trip to Monmouth uh, this last year. So while I'm up here and we're talking about that, um, Jackson Larkham and his family came up right over here, and and uh, Andrew had preached a lot during the conference last year, and and uh, Jackson just had this burden. He's like, I want to start a prayer team for Andrew and his team, and and so uh, so anyways, we we talked about it after church, and uh, we decided that the youth would would take on the the responsibility of of praying for Andrew and his team, and so that was a year ago tomorrow. Um, and so we've been praying. We, we meet every six weeks and pray uh, for this or for that list of things that was up there. Uh, that's what we've been praying over for the last uh, year. And actually in February, just a couple months ago, Andrew brought most of his team here to the church and, and he was part or they were part of our prayer team meeting. So we got to meet almost everyone that was in that photo uh, with the exception of a couple of them. And it's just been really great to to have, you know, this time of prayer. And of course, it's not going to stop now. We're going to pray even harder as as he gets ready to leave. But um, I just wanted to have our, our team come up here. We're going to pray for Andrew right now and, and for their team and uh, just all the things that, that God is going to be doing over the next three to four months before you leave. And then, yeah, especially once you hit the ground. And we know that that, that time is going to be uh, just really crucial for you guys and your team. So uh, I just wanted you guys to see that, you know, the, the team, this is more than I realized was coming up here. Uh, so, yeah, we, we uh, let's just pray for, for Andrew and, and for Vietnam and just all the souls that have been reached so far and those that uh, that they're going there to reach. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just uh, come to you in prayer tonight to thank you just so much for this conference, God, and just this this time to get together and, and have all of these uh, just amazing missionaries and pastors from all over the place to come in and, and uh, just really challenge us and encourage us and uh, charge us, God, to do the things that we know we ought to be doing. And I just thank you, God, for Andrew and just the whole team uh, God, the way that you've assembled that team and got all the work that's been done so far and the trips that have been taken and the prayers that have been made and God, just the labor that has been so far to, to get them to this point uh, where they're ready to depart. God, we know that uh, the enemy, the adversary is is uh, is not interested or not excited about uh, what is going on in Vietnam. And uh, we just pray, God, right now for, for Andrew and his team as they get ready to depart. God, I pray that the logistical things of visas and passports and 
uh, permission to enter the country and all of those things would just be um, just worked out, God, in your timing. And, God, I know that they are ready to go, and, and many have uh, secured jobs and, and uh, are looking for places to live. And, God, there's just a, a group of people there that is so excited to, to be in person and, and fellowshipping. And, uh, God, I know that's going to be a huge encouragement to them. So I just I pray that all the logistical things that are coming up over these next few months would just be worked out. And, God, that you would just give their team just clarity, of uh, unity of mind, God, that they would be focused on the mission. And, and God, that, that uh, they would step out of the way and that you would just be able to control and maneuver all the things that need to happen, God. And that they would just be uh, just vessels for you, God, in a, a dark country. And, uh, God, I pray that you would uh, just, just protect them, God, as they uh, prepare to depart. I know that there, many of them are leaving friends and family and uh, God, they're leaving their church, and and I know that that is a uh, maybe one of the bigger things that we often neglect. God is just the the church fellowship that they're leaving, and so I pray for um, just comfort, God. I pray for the the uh, the emotional difficulty that that will be, God. And I just thank you that that there's such a large group of people that is ready to um, just die to themselves, God, and and do what it is that you've called them to do. And I just thank you for calling them to do that. And God, I just pray that as as uh, as they do depart, God, that, that none of us would forget to be in prayer for them and in prayer for the souls that they're going to be reaching. Uh, God, what a miraculous thing you've done already with the technology through Zoom and uh, other things, God, and just the, the ways that you've been working so far. I just I thank you, God, for the, the fruit that they've, that they've had to this point, uh, the generational fruit, God, that they've had. And I just pray that you would uh, continue to multiply and allow them to find those key men and key women that allow them to find um, just people that, that don't know you as their Savior and who are open and, and uh, willing to uh, listen, God. And I just I thank you so much for allowing us to be, as a church and, and as a prayer team, God, to just be such a small part of what you're doing there, God. I just I thank you for uh, the fact that we have prayer, that we can come to you like this corporately and individually, God, and just uh, come right into the throne room and, and just be um, prayerful for our, our brothers and sisters that are uh, going to be departing. And so I just... And I just lift them up. I just lift up their whole team, and I just ask your blessing on on them as they um, just show us that what an example, God, of of what it means to follow you and and to do things when they're difficult and to take uh, steps of faith. And just thank you for the encouragement that they've been to us. And uh, God, I just pray that we can be an encouragement to them, and uh, that ultimately all the work that's being done there, God, would be for your glory and your honor. Just ask this in your name, Amen. We don't go live quite yet. In the back, and there we go. You can go back and make sure that you are on a prayer team. There's plenty of prayer teams to get involved in. And, man, we, that's how you advance the ball is in prayer. The second thing I want to mention is a, is a P, another P word, and, and that's publishing the word, publishing the word of God. One of the neat things that happened in Vietnam, uh, they're, they're translating, as, as uh, Andrew mentioned, and I don't know how many of you know, but we, 
uh, are fond of publishing the Word of God and being part of that process. And so we had the privilege, another P word, few, uh, just a few months ago to be able to, it was, it was the Gospel of John that you guys had translated. So they allowed us in on that project and we were able to get some of those uh, to Vietnam. So we're looking forward to this, this translation as God continues to provide the Word in their language, their heart language, an accurate Word of God uh, that's faithful to King James Bible. We'll be looking forward to that being published and being having a part in that and being a part of that project as God continues. And that could be years ahead. So that's another thing you can be praying for, right? So just keep that in mind. And we can go live now. I just wanted to, I didn't want to say too much on the air about that. Also, be careful, right? If this is exciting to you and all that discussion, just keep it on the download between yourselves. Don't get on social media and start talking about all that. Keep his name out of the press. All right. So with that, I want to, I want to transition as we talk about publishing the Word of God. Uh, man, one of my dearest friends, uh, way, going way back is Ray Stewart. Ray and Don, hey, stand up if you guys could. I don't know, many of you guys know Ray, but Don doesn't always get to come down here. This is Ray and Don Stewart, and uh, he's a pastor of Grace and Truth. Yeah. <clears throat> is this your whole, is this your whole, is your church here? Not your whole church, but man, thank you guys for coming. We appreciate having you guys. Go ahead and stand up. Give them some love. Yeah. Man, thanks for coming. Thank you guys. And we appreciate you guys coming down and, and supporting uh, Ray. Ray has uh, been, we've been, we've been friends for, gosh, decades, literally. And Ray and I used to minister together at City Union Mission many, many years ago. Uh, and Ray is still ministering at City Union Mission. And God has given him a door uh, in many outreach ministries, one of which is uh, Jackson County Jail. Many of you remember uh, Gene Pirtle, who we supported for quite some time. He was also, in addition to Keys at the Cross, was also a chaplain at Jackson County Jail. Uh, and now uh, God has saw, and his providence has provided the opportunity for Ray uh, to be a chaplain down there. And it's been an incredible, uh, it's been an incredible open door for Ray. And I'm, I'm so thankful. I was just telling someone at lunch today how thankful I am that God put Ray in that position because God is just using him in a mighty way to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. And again, when it comes to publishing the word, we're so happy to be able to see that Word First has been able to help, you know, in some part to supply Bibles uh, for Ray, and those Bibles are so important. So one of the things that's important is we talk about church planting and missions in general, whether it's going to Ireland uh, or going to the next town down the highway or planting a church in some remote culture, is you've got to have uh, parallel partnerships. Yesterday we talked about Philadelphian partnerships, right? And uh, parallel partnerships is uh, a term that Pastor Randy came up with many years ago. We were talking about how we fellowship with other like-minded local New Testament churches and like-minded pastors. And it's important that we have, like, like Andrew was talking about, when he's talking about discipleship, that is the mission. And we understand we have a biblical view of how to do discipleship. It's a transfer of life, not just a transfer of knowledge. And we're wanting to, we're wanting to see that the, 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 the biblical discipleship that's outlined in the Word of God is accomplished in the lives of people. And so, uh, believe it or not, not every local church that uses the term discipleship means discipleship in that context. So when we're looking for partners to do ministry with, we're looking for parallel partners, people who are, uh, we may not be on the same road, but we're all going the same direction. You know, you know what I'm saying? Our minds are locked in, and God might be taking this brother this way, in this way, in this way, but we're all going the same direction for God doctrinally. We we agree to, to uh, the King James Bible, dispensational view of the Word of God, so on and so forth, and we get an understanding of of what God would have for his church. And, and Ray is one of those parallel partners that God has brought back into our lives and, man, done a good work up in Independence. That's where I'm from. So uh, Grace and Truth is now located right, right up there off of um, uh, 
23rd Street slash, what are they, uh, 78 Highway, depends on what part you are. But uh, 291, and yeah, just off of 291, and I'm getting too into the weeds. And uh, man, God's blessing with an awesome location. And uh, man, I'm just so thankful for what God is doing with them. And I'm praying for man. I know I come from that neighborhood, so to speak. And I'm like, man, they need a good Bible-believing local New Testament church. So if you're looking for a good church in Independence, all you folks out there that are from my hometown, go see Grace and Truth, all right? So uh, with that, I just want to introduce Ray. Thank Ray for coming. Ray, come on up and preach the word to us, brother. Good evening. It is a pleasure for me to be here. Uh, yes, Brian and I go way back, uh, a long way back. That's a song, actually. You don't know anything about that. But uh, Brian and I uh, would go to, to the mission, and uh, Brian was in charge of it, and then I cut my teeth there, actually, in Shepherd School. I, uh, I, minister, I started ministering there in 1996. And we're still at the mission. Uh, I had a brother that was uh, a resident there who Brian knew very well, who has since passed on. And unfortunately, um, he, he perished in his addiction. And uh, we were there because we wanted to reach people. So I want to thank Brian and all of the members of Heartland Baptist Fellowship for the invitation to not only myself, but to the members of Grace and Truth, uh, to be a part of this conference today. That matters to me, and I appreciate that uh, very much. As always, you know, we count it all joy when we can reach anyone for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And we have a responsibility to do that. And I learned something a long time ago. The, the, when we look at the body of Christ from its inception, it was always had a clear direction of what God intended for the body of Christ to be. This wasn't something that, that morphed itself out of anything. He made, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he wanted us to be as the body of Christ. Whether we are being that or not is an entirely different story. But God knew what he wanted for us to be. So that when Christ came to planet Earth in the likeness of sinful flesh in a body, you could literally physically reach out and touch him. He was there. He was he was a he had a literal physical body that God sent to this earth so that in that body he before he was about to descend in this body there was a conversation that God had with him that I want to share with you that's found in Hebrews but before we get going let's look to the Lord and we'll get started father lord i, I thank you for the privilege lord of proclaiming your truth and lord you've given us not just The words that we have in a book, they're your words. And Lord, you want us to have an intimate relationship with you, so you spoke directly to us. 
And Lord, I pray that as I proclaim your very words, that you would use me in the same manner that you use the men who you inspired to write it. And I pray that everything that you intended to be understood is understood today through me. And Lord, I pray for those that are here, all of the the people that are present, and, and Lord, all that's going on even at Heartland in this town. And Lord, I pray that you would use us, grace and truth, to be a part of the work that you're doing, not just here, but in the world. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the conversation that he had is found in Hebrews chapter 10. And this is what it says. It's pretty small. Uh, There you go. And this is what he said. He says, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, Hebrews 10 Verses five through seven, it says, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. To do thy will, O God. And you know what we have here? We have the eternal word having a conversation with the eternal father concerning his purpose in coming to this earth. The eternal father prepared a body that the Lord Jesus Christ would then live in for 33 and a half years. That would be used to carry out the father's will during his time here on earth. What was that will? Here's number. Here's my first point today, and I didn't make an outline for you. It was this. It was to put God on display in the world, i.e. to give, to make his glory visible. He wanted people to see who God was, manifest in the flesh. John 1.14 says, and this is the verse that our church name came from. It says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Christ came through his physical body that had been prepared for him to put on display all of the attributes of the Father. And it was to put on display so that we would be able to see who God, the God of the Bible, actually was in flesh. But there was a second thing that he came to do. He came to reach the world with the message of the gospel. In other words, he did this. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Says this in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. When the Lord had finished the work that he was sent to then do, prior to his ascension back to the Father, this is what he did. He then prepared another body. That was to put on display 
the glory of the Father. That is us. And what we are to be doing is displaying the glory of the Father to a world that is lost and dying as we seek and save that which was lost. We are body number two. We are the body of Christ. And God had a purpose for us. He had a purpose for him for 33 and a half years. And what he did was that he invested in the lives of people through discipleship. He discipled those men and we are here as representatives of him. Whether we do that or not, that is our purpose here on earth. It's to seek and save that which was lost. We are here. To put God on display in the world to make his glory visible. We are here to reach the world with the message of the gospel. That is our purpose. In other words, like Christ, we have a primary responsibility to seek and save that which was lost. We're to reach the world with the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in a world that increasingly is not hearing true. These kids are wilding out out here. It is, it is, it's the wild, wild west. It is wild. And God said, I am going to lead an entity here called the body of Christ to reach the world for Christ. Hear me. Because this is a pet peeve of mine. He never intended for the government to legislate abortion instead of us reaching the world so that we are impacting the people and we want the government to do our job. We're the ones to reach them. We're the people to reach the women. We're the ones to go and to to reach people for Christ and to get people so that they live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. And we want someone else to do our job through through government. It's sensitive with me. Amen. Hallelujah. We're to reach the world with the message. So he gave the disciples then this mandate. He said this in Mark 16. And he said unto them, go ye into the world and preach the gospel. He said to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Pretty simple. Everything that we are to do is centered around accomplishing these purposes. Our methodology may vary, but at the heart of the spiritual body of Christ is to put God on display in the world and to make his glory visible. To reach the world for Christ with the message of the gospel as we seek and save that which was lost. In Christ's discourse with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, after he reveals himself to her, he says this to his disciples. 
It says this in John 4, verses 34 through 35. Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Look. Look and see. Look. Just look. There's a world that is lost and dying that are in need of Christ. Just look. He says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. For, for they are white already to harvest. Someone had planted. Someone had watered. The fields were white. He said, you, you don't even have to go very far. Just look. Just lift up your eyes. And you can see it. That we live in a lost world. As members of the body of Christ, we have responsibility. To do the will of him that sent us and to finish his work. That's what Andrew was going to Vietnam to do. That is what these guys in Ireland are doing. That's what people are doing. They're going to the world and they're looking. They've looked up and they saw that there the fields are white. All God is looking for is people who are ready to reap the harvest. So what we are to do is this. We are to diligently look on the field. Is that not the theme of our, 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 our time today? In our dispensation, we're to continue the work that he came to do. And you know what we're to do? We're to finish our course. So when we planted Grace and True, as we developed the vision for our church, we developed that vision with the understanding that our primary responsibility was to put God on display in the world. That is what our responsibility is. And we have workplaces, we have neighborhoods, we have jobs, we have everything. The fields are white, right? But what we're to do is go into every environment, anywhere, to any creature, everywhere in the world, and put God on display. So that when we walk into that room, God is on display because we showed up. Because we walked through the door. He happened to put it in an earthen vessel, hallelujah, so that the power may be of God and not of us, right? Because if it was left up to us, we'd, be, we'd want glory. So he put it in an earthen vessel by the grace of God. That was the, that was the wisdom of God, amen, that he put this treasure in an earthen vessel. We're to put him on display, and then we're to reach the world with the message of the gospel. Knowing that the foundation that we stand on was planted by Christ and our forefathers, the disciples, who labor, whose labor left the fields white and ready to harvest. Our job now is to diligently look to the field, but as the heartbeat of this conference states, to accomplish this purpose, as Brian eloquently said when he came up, it would take partnerships, prayer, and planting churches. So as I read that in the invitation that was extended to me, it caused me to reflect on the vision that Grace and Truth has established to get the word out to the world. And I want to take a moment to share that vision with you and I'll be done. 
But I want to use it to challenge our members that were able to come out tonight, as well as the people that are here today, to look to the fields because they are white and ready for harvest. So our purpose was to become a church where men and women could be trained to become disciples of Christ who glorify Christ in their lives and in their individual field first with the objective of reaching the world for Christ. Our commission comes from Acts 1-8. And I preached this when I came here to you uh, when you were assembling Bibles. And this is what he says. He says, but ye, he was speaking to the disciples, but he was speaking to us as well. He says, but ye shall receive power when? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what will it do? And ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria with the goal of reaching the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what does. Christ told his disciples, he said, you do much greater things than me. He went no farther than his his oikos, his his area where he went. That's as far as he, but here he gave us, he said, you got planes, trains, and automobiles. There's no reason for you to reach the uttermost parts of the earth. So this needed to happen, and for it to happen, we realized this is what we needed to be. We need it to be a church that crosses boundaries and takes risks to share the gospel with anyone willing to hear. Using the church at Antioch in Acts chapter 11 as the model church, the place where the first translations of the New Testament were going to be circulated in in the the heart language of the people. Our heart was to plant a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational church to get the word to the world. He goes on in Acts 11 and says this in verse 19. He says, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Though the door had been opened to the Gentiles now, the scattered Jewish refugees contented themselves with spreading the good news of the gospel amongst their own people first as they preach to the Jews only. Here's the reality from that. You cannot reach the world without first reaching your own Jerusalem. You get to the world, you get the word to the world as every local church must use their Jerusalem first with the goal of eventually reaching the uttermost parts of the earth. He says this in verse 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Serene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. These men of Cyprus and Serene took daring risks to go outside of their place of origin to reach others who did not look like them for the Lord Jesus Christ. The city of Antioch was an utterly immoral city where these men had to cross a great divide to get the word out. Peter had unlocked the door in Caesarea. These men then pushed it wide open. That is what has to happen if we're ever going to diligently look to the field 
a field that is white and ready for harvest. We have to be willing to cross lines. We have to be willing to take risk. We have to be willing to go outside of our cultural norms. We have to be willing to get the word out in any way, in any means, so that we might win some. We become all things to all men. Not just the men who look like us, who live in our neighborhood, who live in our little circle. We have to be willing to go outside of cultural norms to reach a world that is lost and dying, waiting to hear truth. But when we go out, we have to go out with an objective. I used to be a salesman in our church knows my story. I used to train salespeople. Uh, and I would travel all over the country just training people on how to sell. Or as we say, persuade men. And I would teach them how to present whatever it is that they were selling. It doesn't matter if you're selling a Kirby vacuum cleaner door to door. You can't just though present the product without then asking for the sale. And so often what we do is that we tell people about our faith. We tell people about our relationship. We even try to demonstrate it. But you know what? The gospel needs to be shared with an objective. At some point, you have to get to the person and ask them, based off what I've told you, would do, would you, can, can let me ask you this question? Cause we have this book that I've written at our church called, May I Ask You a Question? Our church knows all about it. Right. Because the first I learned in sales that you start by asking a question. You don't just come in. You start with a question. And most people, if you ask them a question, they will then have to give you an answer. And what it does is that it opens a door of utterance based off the question. Right. And the question that we generally ask is, man, can I ask you a question? Right. Do you believe that we're all God's children? 99.9% people say, absolutely. And then you say, do you believe that we're all created in the image and likeness of God? And 99.9 people, they say, absolutely. Well, the reality is this. You're not created in the image and likeness. You're not even a creation. You get to become a new creature. Adam was a creation. He was the first. And we're made in the image of a fallen sinner. So we're not all God's children, but God wants you to be. But that's a decision you have to make. So that opens a door for me to then have a door of utterance to speak to them. Because the objective is the gospel. How we use, but you know what? I use different lures all the time. Amen. Not every lure works, man. Let me tell you something. You can't go, you can't launch out into the deep with something that you lose from the shore. That's most of our mistake, amen? We end up wanting to, we want to launch out in the deep as soon as we learn how to go fishing. It doesn't work that way. Let me move on. It says this in Acts eleven twenty one. It says, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. When these things happened, there was revival. The hand of the Lord was with them. These Grecians who had been steeped in religion believed and turned to the Lord. The word of God, which is quick and powerful, never returns void. 
The Grecians came to the knowledge of the truth that the Savior whom they did not know had sacrificed his life for them on the cross of Calvary and through the new birth, they could now be served as, they could now serve the risen Savior, not the dead God that they had been accustomed to serving. To reach North America and the uttermost parts of the earth, our church didn't realize this. We needed to be, here's my next point, a church that reaches many for Christ and equips them with the truth of, in the Bible so that they can become effective disciples for Christ. It says this in verse 22, then tidings of them came in the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. What happened in Antioch became excitement in Jerusalem. But clearly through the gospel, as it was preached to the Gentiles, it then required evangelism. So Barnabas was sent crossing cultural and racial lines, and but the goal was to reach a Grecian. Now we've gone outside of the Jews, and now we're going to reach a people that, as, as a Jew, they had learned that these were not people. They called us Gentile dogs. They didn't want to want anything to do with a lost person. A pork eater. I spend too much time in the jail. <laughs> Says this in verse 23, who when he came, he had seen the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and faith and much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarshish to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. And it came to pass, watch this, speaking to what Andrew said. It said that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Because discipleship doesn't happen overnight. We want to be disciples right now. I want to be winning people to Christ. You ever do a study of the men that God used? All of them had their experience somewhere on the backside of some desert. Where God had to take them and train them and make them to be the people that he intended for them to be. As I tell the members of our church, this is a marathon, not a sprint. For that reason, we must be then, we understood this. A church that teaches truth and applies grace and compassion towards the under-resourced, the suffering, and those that are under the bondage of sin. says this in verse 27, and in these days, we're almost done. Came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood of one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to rescind relief unto the brethren which dealt in Judea, which also they did and sent it by the, eld, by, the el, by the hand of Barnabas and Saul, to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And I realized this, that the hallmark of a healthy church is a church that has the ability to care for other people. I am, I come from Kansas City Baptist Temple, and I watched this church take, have taken over the responsibility that we had at KCBT 
with assembling Bibles. And many of you remember the time that we spent the evenings. I mean, it was just a precious time putting Bibles together and doing the work. And it brought this unity into the body that was such that was healthy. It was such a healthy thing. And I think that what you guys have now taken by continuing that work is such a healthy thing. It's just a good thing. But the reality is this. People need to see people live out Christ in front of their lives, not just give them books. I mean, it's important, and I think that we need to get the word out, but getting the word out is you becoming a living epistle, living Christ out in front of people so that they see Christ, so that we give him the glory that is due his name because we become that people. That is the most important thing that can ever happen in the life of of a believer is that we become that written word of God that is walking the streets and we live it out in our lives and people see Christ displayed at our job. And Christ displayed in our neighborhood and Christ displayed to our family who is lost. We always got to get the low hanging fruit first. Amen. Because we should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in its season. Right. And you can always know a tree by the fruit that it bears. But if the tree is barren, either something is wrong with the tree or something is wrong with the ground that it's planted from. What is the problem? We live in a time that there's great dearth in our land. There's a famine of the word of God. And by the grace of God, this church has, has, is, is reaching people with the, the word. Amen. By provide the work that you guys, we, we, last year at Jackson County Detention Center, we handed out 1,200 Bibles to people. We're giving the word. And I've got teams of people that come in and minister the word of God to them. We are seeing people transformed by the renewing of their mind. I promise you, last year alone, I would imagine that I saw personally probably six, seven hundred people come to Christ just through the, the Bible study that I preached. And many of them were Muslims and black Hebrew Israelites because I had been a Muslim for 20 years of my life. And I am able to reach them in a way that many people cannot reach them. And I'm there for that purpose so that I can give them the gospel because I first had to know the truth and then be able to give them the truth so that I can see them come to Christ. Because our job is to get the word to the world. And there is a world that is incarcerated. Someone has to reach them. Let me finish up because this was the last thing that we realized that we needed to be a church that reproduces Christ. By eventually birthing new church plants and communities of Christ followers. That is our goal. He said in verse 26, and then sailed to Antioch from whence they had had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. There is a world of people that need to hear the gospel. 
This conference is centered around getting the word to the world. It has to be given and proclaimed. Which means that people need to be willing, like Andrew, I appreciate Andrew being here. He he and I had talked earlier about him coming to our church uh, to lay things out. So that is why for our church, we are deeply involved right now in the city in Jackson County Detention Center, as well as City Union Mission in nursing homes. We have a food network where we reach people and then we're able to take teams of people to Malawi to work with Palera and his church through that mission. And God is opening the door, but it takes people first coming to the knowledge of the truth of who they are in Christ, as you guys are doing, reaching people for Christ, discipling them, getting them to understand who they are. And once they are grounded enough so that we don't send out people as novices, that we then send them out, team them up with people to reach people for the world. We live in a bad, in it, it, where, and Brian came up where we, our church is, in Independence. Uh, we, we, we run a major, uh, fireworks stand there, uh, where for about 15, 16 days we get to minister to that community. It's a mess. There's more fentanyl. There's more methamphetamine. People are tweaking. They come in the tent tweaking. It's a mess. But God placed us there because it's the last place I thought where I'd ever be was in Independence, Missouri. <laughs> I'm a kid that grew I grew up on Long Island. I'm a Long Island kid in Independence, Missouri on 23rd Street. But I was willing to do whatever God said do. I was willing to go wherever God said go. We have people that are that we're training. Our church is predominantly people, many of the people who are first, who did some of them, this is their first time ever being a part of a church. We live in a day where people have never heard the gospel. Ever. That's our fault. That's our fault. How do they? How shall they hear except there be a preacher? Somebody's got to give it. It may as well be me. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brian. Time. Man. Well, for you of HBF, I I I just want to invite you out Saturday. Because you have an opportunity right now to go out and do some net fishing. I was telling uh, Pat Lee, he was like getting with me with the maps, and he's like segregating out these little neighborhoods. And I'm like, Pat, Pat, there you are. He, he, I'm not making this up, didn't I? I said, what are you, dude, let's get the whole city. What are you talking about the neighborhood? If we just got half the church out Sunday, you could spend one hour and we could cover most of Harrisonville by ourselves. Just inviting people, right? Asking questions. You got a place to go Sunday for church? That opens the door. Door of utterance. Start talking to them. I don't care if you get one house done. If you talk to one person that's open, that's worth going out. So I'm going to ask you right now, could you could you give of your time? Saturday, 1 o'clock, be here, be square. And uh, and let's just go out together. And let's trust the Lord. Let's live what we're talking about. That's what Ray's saying. He's like, you can publish the word all day, but can you be the word, 
right? Can you can you live the word out and go just do what it says? Go, go, go. Why not? What are you scared of? Well, you will be scared if you're not living a godly life, right? And you go door to door and they're like, hey, what are you doing with this church, man? You're like living like hell at work every day. Okay, I get it. That's also why this conference is here is to get our hearts right. So we understand that we're on mission and we need to be in a position to where our life does make an impact. When we do walk up to someone's door, uh, we don't have to feel like we got to hide behind a fig leaf because we're covered in the blood of Christ and we're living like it. So, man, praise the Lord. Man, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And Ray has just, I just i just want to say Ray has uh, uh, planted from scratch. I mean, literally, uh, you know, we talk about taking teams and, and all this. Ray and Don, you, I don't think you had anybody initially hardly when you started. And, and uh, we sponsored that and, and helped. Uh, you know, we didn't do anything other than say, go for it, brother. Send a letter somewhere. But, uh, but it is amazing to see what God has done over these last several years since you started. And, uh, man, guys, you, it's awesome. I'm really praying for you all. I, I seriously appreciate you guys being in my old neighborhood, and I do know the need. And, um, you know, I was telling a guy one time, one, David Cundiff, you guys, those at HBF know David Cundiff, and he was like, you know, Brian, you told me this and that about where you come from. He goes, I didn't believe it until I stopped through Buckner one day. And he goes, everybody had a case of beer on the on the, on the the thing. And they were just, I said, yeah, bro, that's how we rolled down there. I mean, it's just that it's a different culture. But anyway, uh, it's just, it's just, anyway. So, man, thank you. Thank you guys for doing what Jesus called you to do in Independence, Missouri. Uh, we're going to transition here. And I want to just welcome uh, the New Life folks. So all you, if you can, if you're from New Life, stand up. We want to give you some love. Thank you for coming. Amen. It's so good to have you here. God, Kenny's hanging out in the back, so uh, praise the Lord. Uh, thank you for coming. Of course, Brad does not need any introduction, but I am going to introduce Brad now because uh, New Life's going to come up here in just a moment and do a special. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to uh, remember, this. Um, we're going to have a time of offering. This time is only for uh, the members of HBF. So if you're New Life, if you're Grace and Truth, uh, or you're visiting, I mean, we have a lot of guests here from here and yonder. Man, this is this is for Heartland, so I just want you to know that up front. Just let that plate go on by. Uh, but as far as those of us from Heartland, this is a time I've, I've told you guys that it's coming. So just give us the Lord has blessed you just to help offset some of the costs of the conference. Uh, and so uh, we're going to go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and pray over the offering as I pray. If you guys want to come up and prepare for the special. Uh, and as they're coming, I just want to I'm going to go ahead right now and just let you all know Brad McGuire is going to be coming up and preaching. And uh, and after we're done here, Brad, you can just come on up and take the pulpit. He is our own, and we're so thankful for what God is doing in Clinton, Missouri, at New Life, and how they are duking it out as well. And we're thankful for His sacrifice. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, Heavenly Father. We're thankful for this opportunity to give back to you, and we're thankful for uh, New Life Baptist Church in Clinton, Missouri. We're thankful for Brad and Annie and their family, and thankful for all the members that we uh, sent to uh, Clinton, Lord, so uh, five years ago. Uh, Lord, thank you for the work that went into the seed plant prior to that, the commitment to discipleship, the commitment to, to uh, Lord, just having the opportunity uh, to uh, to minister in that community. And thank you for their sacrifice. Lord, and as we give back to you now, and, and Lord, we give back for this, this conference and try to cover some of these costs, Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to hear from each of these speakers this week. We're thankful to hear from you, Lord. We're thankful to, to be challenged on taking the Great Commission, Lord, personally, but also corporately 
as a local New Testament church and considering what we need to be doing in regard to discipling others in a way that, Lord, you can call people out of our congregations and send them to the next city to plant other churches or to the next country or to, uh, Lord, a key people group. Uh, to establish your ministry among those peoples. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be a part of your mission. We're excited to give back toward it, and we're thankful for the lives that we've seen on display this week that are giving themselves wholly, that are all in and surrendered to your call. Oh, Lord, as we give in the offering tonight, we think about the opportunity this Saturday. We pray, God, that you would bring out, Lord, uh, maybe more than 50%, 100% would be awesome of the church body just to take an hour and go out door to door strategically and reach a town or towns with an invitation, uh, Lord, to come to Christ or come to Easter service, but ultimately coming to Christ and becoming a disciple is what we're after, Lord. We're so thankful for the, the privilege of serving you. We're so thankful for the love that you've given us. Thank you for giving your son. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us your church. We praise you and we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
evening. Hi. It's uh, it's always so good to come back to. It's always so good, right, to come back to HBF and and to see familiar faces. But by a show of hands, HBF people, who was here in 2018? Okay, who was not? Right. See, there's a lot. So it's awesome to in five years, right? The, the fruit that has come and um, to to just see what God is doing, and you know, it's it's new fruit. It's it's, it's because of doing what what brother said here. Man, I, I could listen to you preach for hours, just just in case you were wondering. So I'm like, man, just keep on going. So, um, Brian, thanks. Really, to, for, when Brian called, called me and asked me, you know, <clears throat> it's wise to always pray before you answer, but sometimes you just know. And I was like, I, I don't even need to really pray about this. And I don't say that in a way of, like, I'm super confident because I'm not. Okay, I'm not at all super confident. Uh, but I, I am full of faith and, uh, I do believe that, um, God had placed it on Brian's heart and, uh, to just be able to come back to the place that in 2008 um, I came to know the Lord, and uh, I was sharing with someone today that um, I'm the kind of I'm the kind of person that it would be cool with just uh, just chilling in the in the in the seats, right? To just I got saved, I'm just waiting for glorification, right? I'm waiting for that day, and I'm just gonna wait until that day comes, but. Um, God knew what he was doing when he brought my, me and my family to HBF because he knew that we needed to get equipped and we needed to, um, to be encouraged and to be, um, to put, be, to be pushed and stretched and, and to grow so that we could go. And, uh, when we came to, to know Jesus and, and as we were, um, be, being trained up, as we were being discipled and, and going through the Bible Institute, there was nowhere on my radar that said, you're going to be a church planter. You're going to go and, and you're going to plant a church in the next county and nowhere in my plan um, did that ever come across. Um, in fact, when New Life was, when, when the seed plant um, was started, when the Bible study was started in Clinton, I wasn't even a part of it. Some of you guys know that, some of you don't, but um, but God was and he knew what he was doing and he, and he took me to be a part of that Bible study and began to reveal quickly that um, it was going to be more than me just being a, a, a person sitting in the chairs at a Bible study in Clinton. Um, that it was time to begin to see the field, right? Because we had a field here. We were involved here. We were serving here. We loved it here, right? We were almost comfortable here. And uh, God knew that. So he took us and he and he showed us and he had showed us many fields over the time and we'll get into the word I promise we're not forsaking the word but um, he showed us many fields but when we went to Clinton a, a town that I told my wife that we would never move to I said those exact words her family's from there she lived there when she was a child and she always said well, I want to move back to Clinton and I told her she was ridiculous and that was never going to happen so just keep quit asking quit saying that. Don't say that, because that's, that's probably where God will take you. And uh, so as as I went to Clinton, and we just happened to disciple Travis and Jessica when we were here, and they lived in Clinton, and as we, as we went to Clinton, and I, I seen the field, 
I understood what God was doing. And uh, I understood that he, he was calling, calling me to, uh, to answer that call, to, to step up and, and uh, admit that I was wrong and he was right, like always. And, and maybe even my wife might have been right, um, like most of the time as well. So, um, by the way, speaking of my wife, she sends her love. Um, we're in a, in, a, in a phase of our life right now that um, we're really, really close to being empty nesters. And uh, we have one of our children that's still left at home, and uh, we call him Shorty Hayden. And he had a ball game tonight, and um, he looked at me with, a, he's 18, he's a grown man, right? But he looked at me with those eyes like, you're going to make mom miss my baseball game tonight? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. So they're probably watching right now on their way home from Columbia. Um, but she sends her love, and she, she loves each one of you dearly, too. So um, Mike said something last night that really I just wanted to um, just mention again because it really it was so true. He said, church planters need lifters. And you know what about Mike Blake, and you know what about a lot of faithful men here and women here, is he could say that because he is that. Um, I can testify of that because he calls me, right? He doesn't text me, how you doing? No, he calls me. And he says, how are you doing? And you know what? He doesn't, he knows when things aren't good. And uh, he knows when he needs to do that. And I'm thankful for men that um, that do that in my life because though we're in Clinton and though it's only 45 minutes from here, um, it is a lonely place. And though we have a team, and though we have a body, and though it's still a lonely place. And uh, I'm thankful for men in my life. So um, go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Ruth, chapter 2, is where we're going to be tonight. And um, I really struggled um, as as God was leading me to, to this passage in, in Ruth, chapter 2, because I got a, I'm a wanderer, so I'm going to move this so I don't fall. As he was leading me into this, I was like, are you sure? And uh, he made it very clear. And sometimes he gives me really cool um, outlines. Most of the time, my outlines are, are terrible. But I, I feel like that he gave me a pretty cool outline tonight of, of three things that we're going to see just out of a short passage in the, in the second chapter of Ruth. And um Let's read that, and then I'll explain where we're going. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. We're not covering all of verses 1 through 7, but for the, actually I'm going to read through verse 9 for the sake of context. It says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, of her husband's mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said unto Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And verse 4, it says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered to him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? And the servant was uh, set over the reapers, answered and said, It is the Moabitess damsel uh, that came from came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. 
And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now, and she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Let's pray and we'll get into this. Father God, I pray today. Uh, God, that you would empty me, empty me of, of, of any of me tonight. Uh, God, that you would just remove uh, any of my thoughts, any of my desires, any of uh, anything that's in the way of you just getting your word to your people tonight. And God, I pray that through the speaking of your word tonight, you would be honored, you would be glorified, you would be magnified, and, and it would go forth and, and accomplish that which it will, and it would change lives that will go and change other lives. So, God, I pray tonight uh, for your blessing. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this body that is represented here tonight. I thank you for these, these men and women that are just willing to just go wherever you say to go. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what I want to do is, uh, as I was thinking about these, these verses, and uh, I was thinking about who's represented in these verses. And uh, obviously we know that we, we, we can see that Naomi and Ruth and, and Boaz, and we see these, these, these people. But I want us to think about something, and I want us to think about our field, personally, your field. Where is your field, right? We have some, some brothers and sisters from Independence. We have some brothers and sisters from Clinton. We have some brothers and sisters from all over the place. Where is your field? Because I think the danger that we face, especially in a conference like this, because I sat through many conferences like as, as when we were here at HBF, and I began to imagine and daydream about other people's fields, right? You hear all these awesome missionaries coming through and telling you about, I, who doesn't want to go to Ireland? I mean, come on, right? Where's your field, though? What are you doing in your field. And God just keeps reminding me, because guys, we're in Clinton, and you know, our field looks different than the, than the field here. We're a different culture, in case you were wondering. I didn't think that when we began the transition from HBF to, to go start new life. I didn't think it would be a different culture. It's quite a different culture. And uh, I love it. I love the field that God has us in. I don't lust after someone else's field. I don't imagine myself in someone else's field because it's a dangerous place to be. We have to see our field and we have to be content. God tells me all the time, are you content? Because to be honest, sometimes I'm not. I'm not content. Because, you know, there's, there's, there's shiny things. I like shiny things. I like things that are attractive, that, that, you know, that please my flesh. And sometimes Clinton doesn't do that. But that's not up to me. So as we look at this passage today, I want us to, I want us to focus on, on Ruth and Boaz. But there's these people 
They're called the reapers. And I want us to focus on them as well. So the first thing I want us to focus on is the ruler of the field. I want us to see this, and, and in verses 4 and 5, we, as we just read, it says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? Boaz is the master and the keeper of this field. This is his field. He's in charge of the activity of what's going on in it. He had to know it. Here we're going to see the care and the dedication that Boaz had for his field. And we're going to look at three things that, that we can see about him. And the first thing that we see about Boaz is his attendance. He came from Bethlehem to the field. He was there. He had a particular interest in the field. It appears that it's not uncommon to find Boaz in and around the field because he kept watch over it. He attended it. And what is so awesome about the Lord Jesus Christ is that where his attendance is, is he's with us. The Lord is near to us. Boaz wasn't off in someone else's field. He was. He came to take care of his field. We haven't been left for ourselves. The reapers weren't left for themselves. Boaz was coming to check on them. We have not been left to make our own way through life without the direction and attendance of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's always near to us, right? Sometimes it feels like, God, why are you so far from me? And he's like, I have not moved. I haven't moved. You, not head, have moved. You are far from me. But we don't ever want to admit that. He cares about the field. He cares about the field that you're in. And one thing that you need to know, and you probably do, but maybe not, is that he is enough. His attendance is enough. When we think we're alone, he's enough. When we want to quit, he's enough. Because he's always present. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't say, good luck. Acts chapter 17, verse 27 through 28 says that they should seek the Lord if happily they might uh, feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as certain as also as our own poet have said, for we are also his offspring. Psalm 27, 4 says, one thing I have, have I desire of the Lord that I will, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. His, te- his attendance. Boaz was in the field. He was there. He came to see the field. He came to check on what was going on. God doesn't just leave us alone. The second thing is his affection. The Lord be with you, he says. It was very evident that Boaz had great concern for the servants, for the reapers that were in the field. He cared about their well-being. He genuinely loved them. He desired the richest blessings of the Lord be extended to his servant. The Lord be with you. You know, we don't greet each other like that, really, do we? Right? The Lord be with you. It's just not, it's just not how we do it. Maybe we should.
Boaz was not a taskmaster. He wasn't a dictator, but a man of compassion for those that, that who served him. What about the love and compassion that Jesus Christ has for humanity? He loves us so much he was willing to endure the cross, endure the suffering, bear our sins and judgment, and die in a place that we so that we might be reconciled back to God. He loved he was, his affection for us. He cares for us. He loves us so much that he was willing to do that. Jesus desires that all will come to him in repentance. To enjoy the abundance of God. He isn't just interested in, in, in us having life, but having it more abundantly, right? And I'm not talking about filling your pocketbook. I'm not talking about having some million dollar job. I'm not talking about having things of this world, but all of him. Because he's enough. His love for us. He loves us so much. The third thing that we see about him is his awareness. He knew what was going on. And he knew, he says, he says, whose damsel is this? He was aware of who was in his field. He was able to identify, well, we have someone new. At New Life, it's really, if you come to New Life, it's super easy to not hide. Because you can't hide at New Life. Right? We have a small building. We have a small church body. And you're not sneaking in and you're not sneaking out at New Life. So it's easy for me to have awareness of who is there and who is not. Boaz seen who was in his field. He was aware of what was going on. He immediately recognized there was a stranger in the midst. He was one who paid close attention to the field and all who were there. He wanted to ensure the harvest, but he also was concerned of those in the field. It would have been easy for a man like Boaz to Never even give Ruth a second thought. But he took interest in her. He took interest in her. I'm thankful that the Lord was aware of me. Like I'm wandering into HBF one day. I'm thankful for the men and women that were interested and aware of a stranger in the land. I'm thankful for men that faithfully preached the gospel through my sin, week after week after week in my driveway. I'm thankful that God noticed me. And he never gave up on me. He noticed me when I was separated from him and desperate in my sin. God is aware of us, church. Second point, the first one is the ruler of the field. The second one is the servants of the field, the reapers. It says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless thee. Remember the servants of the field, right? Picture us, the church, doing the business of what we're supposed to be doing. What can we discover about these guys, right? We're going to see a few things. What about their assembly? When Boaz came to the field, the servants, what? They were already there. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. That's, it seems like, well, duh. But that doesn't always happen. They weren't waiting 
Man, I hope Boaz calls today so that we can go to the field. Uh, we're just waiting on Boaz. Boaz was busy. They were there. They were probably likely anticipating his coming. But they were at a particular place with a particular purpose serving a prominent person. That is how every believer should be. We ought to be faithful to assemble at the house of God. We ought to be faithful to come and to be just sold out servants for Him. And desire to just serve the King without any recognition. May we be in the field laboring for the Lord when He comes. May we gather together fully anticipating the coming of the Master. May He find us serving Him in the field, not sitting somewhere just waiting for Him. Why would we want to be found like that? Unfortunately, a a great number of believers in the world today will be found like that. Twiddling their thumbs. Just wait. I was just waiting. I was just waiting for you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. I'm just waiting for you to come and get me now. There's something special about, about God's house, about the fellowship with his people. There's something so special when, when you can assemble a bunch of peculiar people together, a bunch of dysfunctional people together, and God makes it work. That's what's so amazing. And we talk about this at Clinton. We have some peculiar, very, I grew up in peculiar, right? But we have some very peculiar people in Clinton. You should come and meet them. We've had people show up to church drunk. We've had people show up to church high. We've had people show up to church that want to argue. But at least they showed up. It keeps us on our toes. You never know what's coming through the door. I'm thankful for men that can take care of some of that as well. But there's just something special about that. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, as we, uh, and so much more as we see the day approaching. This must be a priority. And I'm preaching to the choir because we're here on a Wednesday night, and we're, it's going to be late. We're here, we're assembled together, but what do we do the rest of the week? What do we do on Thursdays? Do we assemble together with brothers and sisters? Do we, do we assemble together on a Saturday and, and go out on, and, and take, take it to the streets? Do we do that? Some will. Some won't. We have to go into the field, y'all. We have to. What else are we doing? Well, I'm busy. That shouldn't be an option. It shouldn't be an option. You know what? It is an option because we have free will. And I think that sometimes that's our worst enemy in our own lives. This is our free will. But God wants us to serve him willingly because he's not a a dictator. What's more important than serving the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we can make a giant list, right? I'm super busy and I'm... You know, I have to work, and I have to do this, and I have to do that, and I have to take care of all this other stuff. But what is more important than God? 
nothing on our list. We let other things get in the way of serving God, and the reapers were there, faithfully doing what they were supposed to do. And I love that. I've missed that so many times as I've read through the book of Ruth. I've missed these reapers of just being faithful. And you know what else they were? They were the second thing is they were their appreciation. It says, "The Lord bless thee." They answered Boaz, "The Lord bless thee." It's apparent that the, the servants were fond of Boaz, right? They didn't hate him. They loved him. They earnestly desired the Lord to bless him in his endeavors. Have you ever considered lately what the Lord has done for you? Have you thought of the blessings we enjoy because of his provision for us? Have, have you thought of the blessings we enjoy because of that? He is, is God and does not stand in need of blessings. But we ought to love and appreciate him for who he is and what he has done for us throughout our life. Do we appreciate do we truly appreciate what God has done? Or do we just say, man, yeah, I'm thankful for that. Let's get moving. Or do we, if we don't go back to that moment of salvation, if we don't go back to that moment of realizing when we were a sinner in need of a Savior, and if we don't go back to that regularly, not that we are supposed to look back, but we need to remember. We need to remember where God found us, and we should be appreciative of what he did for us. This happens to be Easter week, Right? The third thing we see there is their activity. Four times in this verse we read the servants are referred to as reapers. This reveals the work in which they were engaged. I don't know if we ever would call ourselves reapers, but Saturday you better be ready to reap. At New Life we are strategically um, reaching Clinton with the gospel. And uh, I had this great vision that um, in 2022, we were going to reach the whole, we were going to knock on every door in town. We're a small church, y'all. And, 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 you know, 20% probably show up to do, you know, they do 80% of the work. Um, and I was realized that sometimes I have unrealistic goals. And so what we did is we have a church, and some of you guys know where our church is. It's an old Chinese restaurant in the middle of a neighborhood. Um, a really weird place to have a Chinese restaurant in the middle of a neighborhood, but it was a Chinese restaurant um, that God blessed us with. So we decided that we were going to cordon off our neighborhood, right? I think God places churches and neighborhoods for a reason, and uh, we're praying that God is going to bring fruit out of our neighborhood because we're going to knock on their door many times. And uh, sometimes we do mass evangelism, mass invitation like we did on Saturday, where we're like, you guys have to get rid of these flyers, Right? Knock on their door if they're there, engage in a conversation. If not, leave them one and get moving. But the other times during once a month, what we're going to, what we do is we have five. You get five. And those five must be handed in, in the middle of a conversation. They must, they must be delivered face to face. Not, it's so easy to stick a, a thing in a door, right? Show up Saturday. If that's all you got to do is just stick one in the door. But man, we have to be willing to engage. We have to be willing to get into the activity. We have to be willing to be ready to be reapers. These reapers were responsible for the harvest. And, and we know it's God that does it. But man, he, he uses us. It was their task to reap the grain that had grown and matured in the field. And There was many that had been saved. In the, in, in the essence of, of the servants of the Lord, but 
the thing is, is that we have few reapers in our day. Very few are willing to enter the field seeking to harvest that which is ready and mature. Because it's hard. Anybody ever bucked hay before? Man, that job is terrible. Nobody volunteers. I want to go put up square bales except for Josh Buffett, right? He loves to do that. If you have square bales you need, call him. He loves to do it. But it's hard work. And sometimes we're just not willing to put in the hard work. We're to be laborers in the harvest, reaping the seed that was planted and has produced fruit. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 through 38, and I'm not fancy, I'm sorry. So it says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are they're few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. God used this passage as one of many because I was so doubting that he was truly calling me to Clinton. This was one of the big ones that he's like, listen, there's not very many laborers in Clinton. Are you willing to go? I'm calling you. The harvest is truly as plenteous. We need this reminder. We need the word of God to remind us that God is what he's already told us. The third and final thing that we're going to see is the stranger in the field. Call this the seeker. Verses 6 and 7, I'll read it again. It says, And the servant was set over the reapers, answered and said, It is the Moabitess damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you that let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she carried a little in the house. In these verses, Boaz catches a glimpse of Ruth and she had a past. The servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitess damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. The servant tells Boaz that Ruth was a woman of Moab who had came to Bethlehem with Naomi. The simple statement told Boaz a lot about Ruth. She had returned with Naomi, a woman who went out full and came home empty. It was, And I'm confident that Boaz had heard of the misfortune and despair of Naomi. He knew what was going on. He wasn't ignorant. This might have caused a bit of sympathy in the heart of a compassionate man. But there was clearly nothing about Ruth to be desired. She was a widow and a daughter-in-law of a widow. They, they possessed nothing of value and had little ability to contribute much to society. Most would let her glean and forget her. Just like me. Just like me. Can we not all relate to that? Before meeting Jesus, I mean, really, Consider where you were when the Lord found you. Some of us, it was a little more colorful than the rest, but we were all separated from a holy God because of our sin. You were a stranger in a foreign land. You were a stranger and a foreigner to the household of faith. You were sinful and defiled. No matter what you were, you were separated from God. You had nothing to offer the Lord but your sin and desperation. That's it. 
says, and she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the, in the house. Ruth knew she faced a desperate situation. They had come to Bethlehem broken and alone, and there appeared to be little hope without the compassion of strangers. However, she was determined to seek out a, a means of survival because that's what we do. When desperate times come, desperate measures happen, and we just, somehow God has given us the ability to just survive. We will do whatever it takes. Let me just go gather some leftovers. Let me gather some of the stuff that you don't want that's in the field. Let me just have something so that I can survive. Sustaining life was her priority. We just talked at New Life a little bit about surviving versus thriving. Most of us just are just in survival mode. In the world we live in today, it's easier to survive than it is to thrive when it comes to walking with Jesus. In the world, we can thrive, right? We can get great jobs. We can climb the the chain. We can do whatever it is. But when it comes to walking with the Lord, when it comes to having a a walk and a relationship with him, and it comes to investing in other people, when it comes to making disciples, when it comes to planting churches, when it comes to sending out missionaries, when it comes to doing God's work, it's hard to thrive if we're doing it in the flesh. I'm well aware of the sovereignty of God and the faith that it's necessary to come to him in salvation. I know that we must be drawn of the Spirit. I also rejoice in the moment that I realized my need for the Lord, and I thank God that he allowed me to understand the urgency of my condition in need of a rescue. I was desperate. She was persistent, though. She said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and had continued, right? She was desperate, but she was persistent. Ruth did not spend a few feeble moments in the field. She arrived early and she stayed late. She even spent a little time in the house. She knew she was in a good place and was in no hurry to leave. My wife wandered into this place exactly 15 years ago this week at a vision conference. She never wanted to leave thought she was completely crazy and that she had went off the deep end and I didn't know what was happening to my wife. But she found the place that God wanted her to be. And she stayed all week at a church, right? I mean, she came home at night, but she wanted to go back the next day and It's like, why? It's like, there's good stuff. There's good stuff. And she didn't drag me. She didn't say, you have to go. She just began to pray. And those prayers, they worked, because it wasn't but a short time later that I came and heard the word of God, and my life was changed. And I never wanted to leave. As believers, we need the persistence Ruth possessed. We need, to, we need the commitment to tarry in the field as long as it takes. We need to determine in our hearts that we will not be satisfied with anything less than the fullness of God. We shouldn't settle. God has a field in front of you now. We have to, like I said earlier, we have to quit looking at other people's fields. 
we have to understand and know the field that's in front of us. But I will tell you one thing that may seem like it's going to contradict what I've said. God used other people's fields in my life as I sat stirred with my rear glued to the seat, couldn't get up, couldn't answer the altar call. I was saved, but God was call. I knew God was calling me to something. And it wasn't until I started um, signing up for these trips, signing up to just go and just be willing to go, that he took me to other places all over the world, places that people thought I was crazy for wasting my money and going to these places, and he used that in my life to show me, man, I have a field for you. It may not be this field, but I want you to see that there's many different fields, and I have a field, and it's picked out, and it's, it's going to be perfect for you. And he uses other people's fields to get us to open our eyes. This world needs the lesson that Ruth already knew. She was aware the field that Boaz offered was just what she needed. She wasn't disappointed or seeking after to find a better field. This field just, this isn't just, this isn't the field for me. You know, it's not really up to us. When we get that through our mind and when we begin to understand that we don't really get to pick and choose. It, we want to pick and choose because we want it to, you know what? What's going on in new life is not super attractive, right? It's actually, it's pretty messy sometimes. And it's ugly sometimes. And it's exposed because we're small and you can't, like I said, you can't hide. But we're thankful for our field. We need to urge people to glean in the field Until their lives are fulfilled in Christ. Christ will provide what we need. It may be hard. In fact, it will be hard. We may be tucked off in a corner as we see Ruth. Just taking whatever she can get to survive. Doing whatever it takes. Doing whatever it takes to survive. Doing the best we can with whatever we have. And then she has provision. Ruth was completely unaware of the provision of God in all of this. She was unaware. In her mind, this was just a field that she found that, that, uh, that she found what she needed in, some substance to survive. She may not have known, but God was working in her life. God, is, in his mercy, had made provision for her to receive just what she needed. During the time God began working in our hearts, we were completely unaware of his hand, his hand of mercy. We may see it now, though, right? If you've been saved very long or more than five days, you can look back and begin to understand what God was doing even before you surrendered your life to him. He was working in your life and doing something that you didn't understand. She was guarded and watched over by her, the servants. They had not treated her harshly or been critical of her situation. It appears they sought to accommodate her in all of her need because that's what the body of Christ does. We welcome people in. We love on them. We share truth with them. 
We give them what they need to survive, and we also give them what they need to thrive. And I'm so thankful for the saints of God who didn't judge me. Maybe they did. They just didn't tell me. They didn't tell me they were judging me. They didn't treat me harshly. I just am so thankful they loved me and prayed for me and sought to encourage me. And you know what? They still do. They still do. That's what's amazing. I'm like, they still, they still like me. They still pray for me. They still encourage me. Ruth was noticed by Boaz. She hadn't even met him yet. In fact, she didn't even know who he was, but he had her eye, his eye on her. Isn't that just like the Lord that we serve? Long before we ever knew who he was, or were even aware of him, he had his eye on us. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that, man, he gives us purpose. And I'm thankful for, for my field. And what can be found there? As a child of God, I'm challenged by these reapers in our text today. I've been reminded of my responsibilities and, and what I need to be doing. And I also rejoice that we have a master that, that cares about our field. He, he's watching over us. He cares for us. He loves us. And he encourages us. He, he prods us along. He has compassion for us. He provides for us. And he notices us. I'm so, so thankful that he's called me to be a servant. And I pray that you are as well. A question for you tonight. Are you even in a field? You're here tonight, so maybe. But you know what? We can, we can think that. But my wife was here 15 years ago. And she just wandered into a field. She didn't even know. We may think that everyone in this room tonight is born again and we're all going to spend eternity in heaven together, but that may not be the case. There could be a majority of us that that might not be the case. Or there could be one. Maybe tonight you're just not content with your field. My field is terrible. Do something about it. Do something about it. You don't like your field? Don't be the problem. Don't be the problem. Do something about the problem. Don't say, I'm, that, that field is no good, right? If, a, if you looked at the price of land lately, Doug, right? If Doug had a field that was like, I mean, it's not producing. I'm just not going to use that field. That would not be smart on his part, right? So he does something to make that field better. He doesn't just abandon the field. The easy thing is to just run. I'm going to go find someone else's field. I'm going to find a field that someone's already done the work in that I can just be a part of. That way I can say, look at my field. That's easy. It's dangerous too, though. Don't be a field hopper. Stay in your field. For real. You can laugh, but it happens all the time, y'all. People hop from field to field like like a... I don't know, but it happens. There you go. Focus on the field that he has given you. I'm I'm done, I promise. I want to look at one verse. Turn with me into Philippians chapter 4, and I'll be done.
Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. This is just a verse that's so near and dear to my heart and a verse that um, God uses in my life a lot because sometimes, you know, I just get my eyes get on something that shouldn't be on or I begin to be not content. And it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul had something figured out. Right? He wasn't begging for anything. He wasn't saying, oh, poor me, look at me. He's like, no, I've learned that I'm just cool with wherever I am and whatever I've got. Because he says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to be, to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And he follows that up with, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The devil wants to divide us. The devil wants us to be uh, discontent. The devil wants us to be jumping from field to field. The devil wants us to not be settled, to not be focused. The devil wants us to just be running all over the place. He wants us to not be content with the field that God has put us in. We need to start reaping the fruit that God has in front of us. Well, my field just is pretty barren. Start casting the net. Start getting the fishing rod. Man, I, I, I love to fish, so I could go on and on about that. But I just want to challenge you, and we're done, I promise. <clears throat> Think about what your field is. Think about what your field looks like. Think about where you're at in the field. Think about what you're doing in the field. Think about how you're using your time in the field. Think about how much time you actually spend in the field. Maybe you need to write this down. I'm a, I'm a write it down kind of guy because I forget. And then I can go back and be like, oh man, I'm not doing so good in that area. And God will use that to remind you to get refocused. And maybe that's where we need to be tonight. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this night. Thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, just a, an amazing week. Uh, Father, just a week that uh, we can come together, sit at your feet, Father, just to be changed, to be, can be challenged, that we can be encouraged, that we can be um, instructed uh, through your word of what we need to be doing. And God, I pray tonight, maybe somebody here tonight is just wandering around looking for a field. God, I pray tonight you just reveal your field. God, settle them. Maybe they need to step up and enter into the field tonight. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you would just be revealing that to them. God, you would just be doing a mighty work. God, we're thankful for who you are. We're thankful for all you've done. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and uh, and continue in an attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we continue in prayer, we thank you for what we've heard tonight, Lord, from each speaker, Lord, from Andrew, from uh, Pastor Ray, from Pastor... Um, Brad and Lord, we pray right now. Uh, we don't want to be remiss as we talk about being diligent. I just want to be diligent to just confirm, uh, as, as Ray was saying earlier, as Brad was pointing out very clearly, uh, Lord, this is a moment where there could be somebody here in our own church on a Wednesday night that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. And we just don't want to let that slip by, uh, Lord, and at a conference like this uh, and make assumptions or presumptions. Lord, I just pray right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're here tonight, maybe somehow you come in tonight and you're like, man, I'm not saved. I just want to give you the opportunity. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice? Uh, it's it's really awkward maybe in a group like this, but you're like, Brian, if, if I died tonight, maybe you know that you would spend eternity separated from God. 
maybe maybe the testimonies you've heard from from Andrew to Ray to Brad. Each one of these men's lives have been changed radically, and God is using them radically. And you're like, man, I'm dead in trespass and sins. I can't even change myself. I am hopeless. I can't help myself. That is exactly what you need to understand. You cannot help yourself. But God can. Jesus Christ came to this earth 2,000 years ago, and he lived a sinless life because he is God manifest in the flesh, and he died on the cross in our place to appease the righteous wrath of God so that we could be redeemed by his shed blood. And he rose again on the third day, and he's alive right now, and he calls all men everywhere to repent. There comes a point in our life where we have to understand that he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it could be that God brought you to a conference like this, someone drug you here tonight, and this is exactly what you need to hear because it's time for you to make that decision. Would you be bold enough right now to say, Brian, you are talking to me. I don't know how I got here, or maybe you do know how you got here, but you just know that I need to make the decision. Is anybody brave enough to say, that's me? I need to be saved. Anyone in the room, just raise it up. Nobody's looking around. Really, they're not. Anyone at all. I'm the only one watching. Did you raise? I'm sorry. If you raised your hand, do it, please. I think I may have saw somebody. I want to be clear. Is there anybody in here? Because so far I haven't. I thought I saw a hand, but I'm not sure. If you, you just put it up where I can see it. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'm not trying to manipulate anybody. <clears throat> if you're in doubt, or maybe you're under deep conviction, and you're not about to raise your hand because it's just scaring you to death, I just want you to know that, that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, and he is calling you. Remember Andrew talked about that? He's calling you tonight to be saved. He loves you. He wants you. He desires your fellowship. He desires to reconcile you to himself. Man, that is ultimately, if we had this whole conference and it was all about that one thing, it'd be worth it all. <clears throat> and so we just want you to know we love you. Okay, the rest of us, with heads bowed and eyes closed, tonight, <clears throat> maybe God's calling you. You know, really, where are we at in this process of the field? You know, is God, are we where we need to be in that field? Are we are we diligent? Are we like Boaz? Are we attending to the field God's put us in? Are we like the reapers? Are we busy in that field? Are we like Ruth? Are we appreciative of the field that God's put us in? Man, that was good preaching. We were challenged tonight. Maybe somebody needs to step out and sign up for a missions trip tonight. Maybe someone needs to step out and say, Brian, God is calling me. I'm ready to go. go. I'm ready to get on the missionary pathway. Uh, whatever it may be, maybe you need to take that next right step and get involved in HBI, D2, D1, baptism, whatever it is. Take that next right step and trust God. Be diligent in obeying the Lord Jesus Christ so you can see that fruit that will last for all of eternity. And I can remember when Brad came to this church. I can remember when Annie sat out here in the, in the I don't remember my, that vision conference, but I remember him the week after. I remember God just working on Brad until Brad finally busted my office door in and got saved. Man, that was awesome. Fifteen years ago. Your life can be utterly changed in a moment. And it'll take you the rest of your life to see how impactful Jesus Christ is when you make that decision. I mean, we're all still growing and growing and, and going. So join the team, man. Get on the team. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for our opportunities right now just to reflect on what we've heard to this week, Lord, from uh, Sunday morning being all in. Lord, I pray, God, that, that we're not doing the Christian pokey pokey. 
Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that we are understanding the need to plant local New Testament churches, not just to play church here, not just to have church, but, Lord, to literally see people saved, see people discipled, see people trained to full maturity, and trust you for impossible things like mature Christians. Trust you for impossible things like teams that are willing and ready and able to plant churches. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give us that kind of faith. Lord, we're so thankful for what we have heard, having key men in key cities with key tools, Lord, with a key message. Lord, we're thankful for the examples that we've heard, things that uh, churches that being planted in Tampa, uh, churches uh, that have been blessed all over this country. Lord, as we focus on North America, it is evident that we are not accomplishing everything that you've called us to accomplish. We are to be salt and light. We are to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Oh, Heavenly Father, may we, may we repent of any apathy, Lord, any any lethargy that's just come in our life and our heart where we're just not really serious in our own personal walk enough to believe that you would use us just to win someone to Christ, let alone plant churches. Oh, God, may we wake up. Awake, awake. Lord, may we get serious about the business as we heard Monday night of accomplishing your mission, your power for your glory. Oh, Heavenly Father, we need your grace. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for the messages that we've heard. The challenges to go to the Dominican Republic, the challenges to go uh, to Oaxaca, the challenges to go to to Monmouth, the the challenges to go to Boston, Lord, and to continue to see your mission expanded right here in North America. Lord, we, we are not doing as much today as we were 20 years ago in many respects. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you for, for faithful men like Brad McGuire, who, who five years ago answered the call. I thank you for faithful men like Tom Fort, who went and, and established a seed plant by faith. Lord, I thank you for faithful men like Dave Pierce, who went and reached an unreached people group right here in our own metropolitan area for a season. Oh, Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for those that see the need and they go. I'm thankful for those that see the need right here in Cass County and they bring people to church they, and they meet them where they're at and they share the gospel with them. Lord, I pray, God, that everybody under the sound of my voice is blessed by what we've heard. But, Lord, most importantly, I pray that you're blessed by what we do with what we've heard. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity just to be here this week. Thank you for everything that you've done. Lord, message after message has just rung our bell. Lord, we, we saw last night how important it is just to, to to really come alongside people and lift them up, keep them warm. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us to care for one another because when we love one another, Lord, it, it is evident that we're your disciples. That's how they know. Oh, Lord, and give us that grace and that faith to accomplish your mission and continue to plant churches, continue to, to plant the seed of your word in the hearts of people, continue to make disciples that make disciples. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would bless your work and your word this week for your honor and glory. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, thank you for